Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. As always, just want to go over a couple of things before we jump into today's episode. Uh, not a lot of news this week. We're kind of in that mid-season point where there's no new patch. Uh, we've already got the new car, the new season pass, and that is uh, unfolding as we go week by week. So not a ton uh, to note. Uh, a couple of things I will note, though, is that uh, we've essentially gotten confirmation through messages that have been given in the discord or you know uh websites that have quoted ben road or have had interviews with developers at second dinner it sounds like that we will be getting collector's tokens which again will be a resource that we can use to unlock specific cards instead of random cards and pools and we will be getting uh friendly matches before the end of the year sounds like both of those are targeted before end of year uh we're about five to six weeks before the end of the year right now so should see a patch or two in that time frame that introduces these. I'm interested to see if they release both features at once or if they do kind of incrementally one feature and then the next a few weeks later. Time will tell. Uh, with all that being said, and without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. We are about midway through November at the time of recording of this, which means we're we're coming up on halfway through the November season pass, uh, Warriors of Wakanda. We've all been enjoying that a lot. Uh, there's not a ton of new news. There's no new patches or updates this week. So uh, today on the podcast, we wanted to discuss a variety of topics. Uh, as always, I am joined by a wonderful guest host, a first-time guest host. I am joined today by You Can Call Me Al. Al, thanks for being here. It's my pleasure. I've uh, listened to the podcast since it started, so I'm a big fan, and uh, I'm glad to finally be on here and uh, give some opinions. Awesome. Well, we are very glad to have you. So, you know, as you and me were talking before recording, we've just come up with a variety of topics we want to cover today uh, and just share our thoughts and ideas about uh, some things that maybe people are wondering about with Marvel Snap and both the present and the future. So um, before we dive into that, I just want to give you a second at being a first-time guest host. Uh, just tell us a little bit about, you know, why Marvel Snap? Why did you start playing it? What what drove you to content creation for Marvel Snap? And, and what do you love about the game? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I've played uh, over the years many different card games. And uh, they've all got from, you know, good things about them. Uh, Marvel Snap, for me, when I saw how the game worked, all the aspects of the game, it kind of... Uh, was an amalgamation of all the good things about the game. So, you know, the artwork, the premium artwork is sort of similar to Gwent in a sense. They had fantastic artwork there. Uh, the snappy, quick gameplay that made Hearthstone so successful. Um, the snapping mechanic, which is, you know, very similar to what you do in poker, which again is probably why that, you know, game stood the test of time. So it just kind of uh, pulls together some of these really good components for other card games. And so, you know, it's just a natural fit really for me to want to play it. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, a lot of us share kind of that same amalgamation of backgrounds of different games, and Marvel Snap just kind of uh, scratches that itch for a lot of the things that, you know, each one of them does well in a certain way, but it kind of brings them together in one game. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Let's let's dive into our first topic today. Uh, first thing we want to talk about is uh, something that was in the news uh, this week, which is... Uh, we had the nominations for the Game Awards. Uh, for those who may not know, the Game Awards are kind of like the Grammys or the Oscars or, uh, you know, just an awards ceremony, but for the gaming industry. So you have things like Best Game of the Year, uh, Best Game Direction, Best 
game music, you know, best performance for somebody who does voice acting for a video game, etc. Uh, and they do have a category for best mobile game, and they nominated five games, and one of those was Marvel Snap. Uh, so very exciting for the team at Second Dinner. I saw a lot of them, you know, posting on social media, very excited about this. Um, and I just think it's really cool. Uh, obviously, the game's only been released for a couple of weeks here, but you know, Al, what are your first impressions? What do you think about this uh, nomination? Yeah, well, I mean, it's fantastic news, really. I mean, to say two things really come to mind for me. One, I think it's great for, you know, getting new content. Obviously, it'll be good for the developers to, you know, it'll bring new players in so uh, they'll get more revenue to make new content. It's great for content creators. We'll get, you know, more people looking at our content, which is fantastic. Obviously, I'm sure the developers themselves are very proud of it. I'm sure, you know, it's a a big, um, you know, point of pride for them. But also, um, I just think that uh, it just shows that, the general gaming community is, I mean, I don't know who makes the nominations, but whoever it is, you know, I'm assuming they have their pulse on what people are enjoying in the gaming industry. And it just shows that people are paying attention to it. They've noticed it. There weren't any of the card games in that category, I don't think. I'm not sure if there were many card games across the entire uh, sort of award, across all the awards. So Correct. I think just, uh, you know, just seeing that, that a card game has managed, and a, a very new card game as well, only recently released, has managed to make its way into the nominations. I think it's a really good news for Marvel Snap. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, I, I'm sure it's a very validating point for the people at Second Dinner. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they've had multiple moments of validation over the last month, right? Uh, you know, the beta, they've got a lot of feedback. People seem like people are enjoying enjoying it during the beta, but you never really know when you're releasing product until it's released. Like, you can feel confident that it's going to succeed, and you may have metrics that tell you that you, you know, I feel very confident it's going to succeed, but until it's out there in the wild, you really don't know, right? And, Absolutely, and so with the game, you know, having a ton of downloads, having people spending money on it, people talking about it on social media, it's just all this validation. And this is just, I think, another piece of validation of, hey, we weren't crazy for working on this for the last four years, right? It, it's actually something that people like. Yeah, definitely. I just think, you know, it's probably unlikely to win. I mean, you know, I think looking at some of the games there, there's some games that are probably more popular, some games that, you know, more well-known maybe. But, uh, you know, just the fact that it got nominated, I think is fantastic. And again, if I were to second dinner, I'm sure, you know, they'd be very, very proud, um, you know, as, as developers that they've, that their baby is kind of getting recognition. So, absolutely. Yeah, and I think, like, you alluded to this, obviously, during the Game Awards, right, they... They show trailers for games. They show, you know, clips of the games that are being nominated, et cetera. So uh, it'll be another exposure point for people, uh, people watching the, the Game Awards every year. Over the last several years, the Game Awards have increased in viewership, you know, uh, tens of millions of people at this point that watch it every year. So we'll definitely kind of be some free marketing, if you will, right? Uh, people yeah, will get absolutely. exposure to the game. Um but that just kind of leads me to a sub thought. I'm just curious. Have you been getting like ads for Marvel Snap nonstop all over? Yeah, I do see them um, here and there, which, uh, like I said, I've played pretty much every single card game out there now, um, some of them more than others. But uh, I, I very rarely see card game ads for some reason. I don't know if the algorithm just doesn't pick it up or if they don't actually uh, you know, spend that much money on it compared to other sort of gaming and things. But I do see Marvel Snap ads, which, um, you know... Uh, indicates to me that they are they do have some sort of you know budget for marketing but again it, it obviously depends on where you live you know what you're what you're sort of viewing on the internet and things like that but uh, but yeah i definitely do see ads for it yeah I, I i i'm with you i mean i don't get a lot of ads for other card games even though i've played several card games right but marvel mm-hmm. snap obviously they really have used a very high marketing campaign um so i'm sure they have uh, an allotment from their investors for you know 
marketing this game. And I just think it's very interesting. I mean, I think it's working. I, I have several people that I work with in my day job that they know I've been doing this podcast. They know I like Marvel Snap, right? Uh, but with the global release and with this huge marketing campaign, they all say to me, you know, I just kept seeing the ads everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And I find, and I knew you liked it, so I finally tried it, right? So yeah. kind of that re- repetition, I think, is having an effect on people that are willing to try it out. Because I think there, at least for me, there's kind of the stigma for like mobile game ads. I always see these mobile game yeah. ads on YouTube, on social media, and the game isn't what it really looks like it is. And it's not, mm-hmm. you know, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah, I think card games are a little bit exempt to that, exempt from that. I think because uh, you know most card games you can get on your mobile, and they're usually a sort of um, a, a sort of port of, of what you know a PC game or a physical card game or something like that. Um, and I, I do think it's they're not quite the same sort of you know this kind of awful model that you kind of think of when you think of a mobile game. Uh, but you know Marvel Snap has been accused a little bit of things like that in the past. So uh, you know I think it's nice to see that uh, they're putting the money in. I mean, really, my main thought on this would be that. Uh, I've seen a few card games now with really, really good gameplay, fantastic developer support, uh, but not enough money in advertising and the games have just completely collapsed. So it's just such a key component to, to making sure that the game survives. Um, and, you know, uh, not every game is going to have the sort of novelty of Hearthstone and just kind of blow up like that did so that you've got to try and get viewers, uh, you know, players, should I say, some other way. And I think advertising just is, is the only way to do that. So uh, it's as much as seeing ads all the time, for, you know, I'm somebody who really hates ads, but, but it, at least when I can see these ads, I'm thinking, you know, well, you know, every ad that I see, it's somebody else's view in this and it's bringing more people in. So it's got to be a good thing, really. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with what you're saying. You you said an interesting phrase there, kind of the survival of the game, right? And mm-hmm. and that is the gaming industry today, right? With, yes. <laughs> with, with games that are ongoing, right? You may have games that are created indie games or even, uh, you know, AAA games that are kind of uh, a playthrough story adventure and you, you play it, you beat it, you're done, right? Uh, yeah. But most of the game industry, I'd say, I'd say a higher percentage has moved towards kind of the live service model, right? You want a game that's ongoing that you can continue to make money off of, etc. And it really is survival of the fittest. So along with that, you know, one of the things that you would, you would wanted to discuss today was this idea of tournaments. Now, uh, mm-hmm. I I think we both know there's going to be you know content creator sponsor tournaments, and you know people are going to do their own thing with marvel snap once the uh you can play against people you can play against friends you can play against people specifically i think we all know that's coming but you kind of brought this idea of i think uh tournaments kind of how other card games have done that on a larger scale supported by the developer cash prizes things like this i want to hear your thoughts on this do you think it's integral for the survival of the game how how long do you think they can go without this kind of thing to still grow the community etc i want to hear your thoughts yeah, so my background is is almost exclusively competitive play between playing in tournaments in other card games and commentating in tournaments in other card games. Like those two components have kind of been my life in, in uh, CCGs. So um, I'm very interested in the competitive side of things. Without it, I, I couldn't really commit to a game. I don't think if Marvel Snap came out tomorrow and said, we're not going to be running official tournaments, it would be a really big issue for me. Um, and even though, as you alluded to there, they, uh, the community would pick up the slack in some way and they will run their own tournaments. It's not the same. Uh, I think things like that, but also just the uh, production value and things like that. You know, having the main studio make the game with all the assets and everything behind making tournaments, I think just creates the best environment. Um, having, you know, something called a world championship or something like maybe at some point is is just like the dream, I think, for a card game to, to have something where it's like, this is the ultimate level of competition. 
Um, and you can't really have that without Marvel support. So uh, for me, it's the, it is the biggest um, question mark around Marvel Snap because um, actually a lot of complaints people have had about the game, about things like the collection system and, and you know other aspects, not being able to select your cards that you unlock and things like that. I don't have as much of an issue with personally. Um, I, I don't mind really any of the issues that other people have mentioned with Marvel Snap that, you know, the, 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 um, season pass, having having to spend money to get that card, things like that. The only time for me it becomes a problem is if you do have tournaments and competitive play because, uh, you know, if you can't build a deck, no matter how much money you invest in the game um, to play in a tournament, then it, it really just kind of, um, it's a bit of a fly in the ointment of this um, idea of competitive integrity. So, you know, not everyone's going to have access to the same cards and therefore they can't build good decks and therefore the people with better collections will win the tournament theoretically. And we really don't want that. So I think the way Marvel Snap is, it's very novel. Um, it's unique. I think it's, you know, it's, they've tried to do things a different way and I think it's brilliant, but I do think it's a bit counter to the idea of running tournaments. So again, I, I'm interested to see how they do it. The, the format that Ben Broad announced um or you know, in the in the roadmap, or they've sort of alluded to in the roadmap, uh, I think is is much better than the ladder system for tournaments. I think that sort of you know winning cubes and things like the sort of health bar kind of type deal is uh, is really cool. I think it's a good way of doing it. I think it will work well, but I just think the other aspects of the game, like collecting and things like that, need to be um, they need to be up to scratch for tournaments to run. Um, and Marvel Snap, it's a very it is a sort of typical mobile game. A, the games are very quick and easy. You can just sort of pick it up and play. Uh, you know, the, it's nowhere near as complex as some other games. Like if you play, you know, Mythgard or, or Magic: The Gathering is an obvious example. They get, those games are far more complex and uh, you know lend themselves to tournaments more. So um, I do think that uh, it, it's not ideal for a tournament setting as a game. But that bit all being said, again for me, I, I really do want to see tournaments, and I'd love to see. Uh, maybe second dinner approach tournaments in a different way to other card games as they've done with every other aspect of their game you know everything's sort of unique and there's a different spin on it and i think i'd like to see that maybe with tournaments you know maybe some different tournament formats you know there's there's lots of things they could do to to separate themselves so i would like to see that but really just to end my thoughts here as a baseline what i would really want to see is just some form of tournament you know maybe in six to 12 months just some form of tournament that the developers are supporting because you know as i mentioned earlier community tournaments are great but they're just not the same thing as as the real deal really yeah no i i hear you i i think you said a lot of interesting things that i'd like to uh kind of uh dive into a little bit deeper um you bring up an interesting point that i really hadn't thought of i mean you you've played competitively a lot more than i have uh, which makes sense that you'd maybe have this thought but yeah, the collection structure, right, which is kind of integral to the casual and even the latter play today, right? Um, uh, how you unlock cards, right, and, and the pool system, yeah. the pool system of card, because and the matchmaking, right? All these things kind of intertwine because when mm-hmm. you're in pool one, you're matching against other people in pool one, right? So you're kind of building against the same collections. When you're in pool two, exactly. you know you're building against the other people in pool two, and those pools are much smaller. And then pool three is so much larger. And take so much longer. And so th- that has been a complaint people have had on the ladder, right? Uh, I, I'm in pool three now. I only, I've only unlocked five or ten cards. And now I'm really struggling because I'm facing people that seem to have every card in pool three. Um, now, obviously, that's anecdotal. We don't, they're not seeing their full collection, right? They may have just mm-hmm. unlocked some good synergistic cards together, uh, one after the other. Um so I think that's interesting. Uh, you know, I don't. I'd almost wonder with the with the tournament format. Uh, obviously, if it wasn't something for you know six to twelve months from now, that's a lot of time for people to unlock a lot of cards, right? So that fixes part yeah. of the problem. But maybe there, you know, and in a tournament 
setting, you could have some kind of ability to use all cards, right? You could build decks from the full deck pool uh, for tournaments, right? That way mm-hmm. everybody's on a, a level playing field. That may be the solution. I don't know. Would you want to see something like that? Or would you want to see something different to maybe uh, balance that possible instability? Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. I think the reason that's, that could work is, again, it, it's not something other card games really do. And I think they... An idea taken from League of Legends where actually that game, it has an esports scene, but the esports scene is kind of a, an advertisement for the game. It's not where they make a lot of the money. Uh, and I think that could be a similar thing really with Marvel Snap where uh, a sort of tournament or tournament scene or esports scene could be uh, more of a, you know, a reason to bring people into the game, but not the main way people play. And if you do it like that, then, you know, it doesn't dissuade people from, from still spending money and trying to build the collection and things like that, because, you know, a developer might argue that we don't want to give players full collections uh, because for tournaments because then there's no incentive for them to actually try and spend money and collect cards and buy credits and things like that. But but realistically, I mean, uh, you know, as long as the only way, as long as people aren't only playing in tournaments, that's the only format they're playing, then that's not an issue. So I think that's a really good, elegant solution, um, and I think it's important to give that level playing field because you know even though if tournaments were in six months' time, the players who are playing now would have all the cards. Hopefully, you know, there'll be an influx of new players continually over that period and a new into the future. And if you join a game, I mean, you know, I, I stopped playing Magic the Gathering uh, Arena for, you know, maybe a couple of months and then I've come back to it now and, and, you know, I can just spend a bit of money and then immediately I've got the cards I need to play in standard and, you know, so, um, and playing a standard tournament. So I can just jump right into things like that. So I think that's an important aspect that games need because, you know, it, tournaments shouldn't only be for veterans. You know, there should be. It should also be open to people who have maybe played the game for a month or two and think, oh, you know, I, I've got an idea here. I want to try a deck in this tournament. I want to play competitively. So, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, that would be a, a good solution. Yeah, I think one of the things that you know, Second Dinner has been heralded for with Marvel Snap is the accessibility, right? Uh, in, in gaming in general, but uh, against other card games, right? It's very easy to pick up. Uh, the tutorial is very straightforward. You learn the game kind of step-by-step, how the cards work, the different archetypes, then you learn the snapping mechanic, right? And it does a really good job of kind of holding your hand and teaching you the game as you go along. And uh, with what you're saying with tournaments, right? You you want the highest level players, the players that have been playing since day one. But I think Second Dinner has shown us that they want to be accessible in all ways. So ideally, it's it's something that anybody can join, anybody can participate, anybody has a shot to be the champion or to win a tournament, right? Yeah, absolutely. Another thing I wanted to kind of get your thought on, just again, this is just, you know, we're pretending we're game designers here, so no wrong <laughs> answers, but uh, if what would you want to see as far as like a deck, like, a, I don't know the proper terminology here, like how many decks you bring to a tournament? Is there a banning system? Is there a card banning system? Is there a deck banning system? Any thoughts there of like how that could work? Uh, would you bring something over from another game? Would you start from scratch? What would you do? Well, uh, again, speaking to a previous point, I think maybe a unique approach for, for, for Marvel Snap would be best. But uh, I mean, the problem is obviously there is no class system or, you know, like uh, or like a Hearthstone class system or, mm-hmm. or race system or something in this game. So you can't really uh, divide decks like in the same way. Um, so you'd have to maybe have something where you can only have a certain number of shared cards between decks or maybe something like Magic where you've got maybe a sideboard of some sort. You know, you can put in some tech cards and that could be interesting because this game in particular has lots of tech cards. Uh, so, you know, you could put in your Enchantress or your Cosmo and then maybe your opponent takes out the aspect of their deck that was vulnerable to that and there's a bit of a mind game thing going on there. Uh, really, I think... 
what I'd like to see is multiple formats. You know, again, maybe this is too much to ask so early on, but I'd like to see tournaments with different formats. I think one thing that some of the other card games didn't do right, I mean, Hearthstone, for example, had a very bustling tournament scene, but they they used Conquest for so long, and that was the only format they used. And I think if you just try a few different ideas in different formats and see what works, I think that's fine. Uh, you know, and uh, again, as long as it's not a huge prize pool tournament that you're experimenting with, I think you can experiment with different ideas, uh, and then whichever one works, just stick with that for a while but yeah there's lots of things you can do um i think i would like a, a maybe a one deck format with some sort of sideboard type thing but uh, again it's just because i do think it gets a bit clunky if you're saying you can have you know in a 12 card deck you can have uh, nine of you know nine of the cards have to be different across you know across two decks or something it just means it just makes it a bit clunky i think and it just makes specific decks work well um and then other decks not so much so you know, if you had a deck that that had a, a four card combo, for example, you need these four key components uh, to the deck, and then you know maybe like Death Wave or something, uh, then you couldn't really bring that and change the cards as much. So I, I think there's um, it does need to be looked at in detail. Um, and uh, you know I'm going to be you know in some of my con- upcoming content, I think I'm going to be breaking down some ideas for what what uh, what we could do for tournaments. But yeah, uh, I think there's there's lots of things really. I don't think they need to get it exactly right. I don't think the tournament format needs to be perfect. I just think they need to uh, they need to make tournaments really. Awesome, thank you for sharing thoughts. I, I we've talked about competitive play, but not in this depth before. So I appreciate yeah. you bringing your your thoughts on that. I think there's a lot that can be done. Uh, you know, I like to pretend that uh, somebody at Second Dinner is one of the thousands of listeners of the podcast, right? Uh, so hope you're listening. Hope you're you're taking some notes here as you're listening to Al talk, and and we'll see something on the roadmap next year. Obviously, we know we're not going to see anything this year. We know the kind of the last features we're getting this year seem to be the collectors' tokens and friendly matches, and mm-hmm. which are huge. I mean, those are those are great updates. We need those, and then I think next year's a lot more open. I I'm sure. They have some faint ideas of what they want to do Q3, quarter four next year, but I'm sure the the canvas is open for them to kind of figure out what they want to do on their journey. So, Hey all, I wanted to take a quick moment to talk to you about MarvelSnapZone.com. Marvel Snap Zone is a one-stop shop for everything Marvel Snap on the internet. They have new articles nearly every day that cover deck building, strategy, card breakdowns, etc. They have a great collection tracker tool and a decklist builder that works off of that collection tracker so that you can know what decks you can build with your current card collection. They have guides and decklists for all level of players and all collection level of players. Make sure to go to marvelsnapzone.com and check it out now. Turning our, our gears a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the ladder in Marvel Snap. Now, obviously, this is this is the only mode to play right now, right? Play mm-hmm. uh, ranked ladder. Uh, not that there's necessarily a ranking system beyond uh, level 100, right? Uh, but yep. it's kind of like how far can you climb, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I this is the first season that I've said, you know, I'm going to make it to infinite. I personally haven't made it to infinite. I've kind of I've said that on the podcast before. Uh, it's something, you know, I've, I've climbed uh, higher certain seasons than others, but it's not been something I, I've really tried to push and do. Yeah. Um, but this season I said, you know what, I want to do. It. I want to get there, and that way I'll reset to 70, and then I'll just keep getting there. It's just kind of getting there the first time. That's kind of a challenge for yes. me. And uh, it's only, we're only about a week and a half in, but I, I've already experienced a little bit of burnout 
from really mm-hmm. trying to, to push for it. You know, I've climbed 35 levels uh, about uh, so far, and I, I'm making good progress, right? I, I've still got plenty of time left, but uh, I, I've just found it a little difficult. You know, I'm playing with the deck, I start to climb for a little while, and then it's, it really slows down, and I switch and stuff. So I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit. What you know, I'll share my thoughts after, but I'd love to hear, you know, what's your advice? What are your thoughts about when somebody does want to climb? Uh, maybe that's not what you do, but if somebody does want to climb, like what are your suggestions for switching things up, for avoiding burnout? Uh, how do you just like keep the focus and keep the grind and make it to the top? Yeah, so a um, couple of thoughts I've got on this. So I've actually taken a little bit of a hiatus, not well, not recently, but it was a couple of weeks ago from Marvel Snap for you know a few weeks and for making content for more than that. Um, because I did experience this, I experienced burnout. You know, I played the game pretty much nonstop from you know picking it up in uh, whenever it was uh, May or June. I can't remember when it was now exactly, but uh, just played it nonstop since then. And I experienced some burnout, you know, um, and I think mainly just because there wasn't really a goal to aim towards other than Infinite, um, and so. I took a bit of a break and I feel a bit better about it now. You know, I'm more willing to play, but uh, certainly it's something that I've experienced. Uh, in terms of how to combat burnout, I think I am different to the average player, really, because uh, I personally uh, like to play one deck a lot and really like, you know, um, sort of perfect the minute details of the deck, and I'm happy to do that over and over again. And, you know, when I, for example, in other card games, you know, I'll, I'll play the Hearthstone season, I'll get to Legend and, you know, like try and qualify for the tournaments and, and just play across lots of different card games. Uh, during the month so um i and i usually just focus on one deck to be the best i can at that deck and and so when you're trying to be competitive um again just focusing on that competitive angle uh generally it's better to be a master of a deck or a couple of decks than it is to be sort of decent at a lot of them uh, especially for like tournaments and things like that so that's the kind of habit i have uh, developed over the years uh, it doesn't really translate as much to marvel snap because again there aren't any tournaments there isn't really any outlet for that but it's just something i personally still do uh, but changing decks is, is clearly the best i think solution to burnout you know if you maybe change to something you've not played uh, not played before or something completely different to what you've been playing if you've been playing a you know a serum miracle deck then just change to a you know a patriot combo deck or something completely different and then hopefully it should feel a bit like a whole new game um, but also you know the obvious just taking breaks from the game you know you might find the game really fun and really want to play it but uh, you know as with anything if you play it into the ground you know play it too many hours a day you will get fed up with it and you will experience that burnout so taking breaks from playing this game i like i said i play about four or five different card games so uh, i even now so i I just sort of switch between them you know if i need a break from something um it's a bit harder if you're making content because obviously you have to play the game quite a lot to to sort of know what you're talking about and to maybe stream it on twitch and things like that but uh, for the average player i think that should uh, work um and again i think Obviously, there's a lot of people in your position where, you know, they've uh, they've maybe tried for Infinite, but they've not really put loads of hours in. I mean, Infinite, really, a lot of it is uh, grinding, you know, putting in the hours um, rather than necessarily how good you are. But obviously, there is that component to it as well. There is certainly prestige to Infinite, but, um, you know, Again, obviously, based on my competitive background, as soon as I start playing the game, you know, I, I'm looking for the, the way to abuse the system, you know, to be, to build the best deck, to win as many games as possible. It's just ingrained in me. So uh, I I did try and hit Infinite every single season, uh, and I still sort of stick into that. So I'd make sure I play enough to, to hit, inf- hit Infinite. Um, but then after that, you know, there just isn't anything for me to, to, to aim towards. So that is that is when I sort of struggle to play a bit, uh, if I'm honest. So I try and hit the infinite just so I've got it in, you know, I can say, oh, well, I've hit it every season, you know, but but really other than that, it's a bit, it is a bit tricky. So again, I just think we need a, a different game mode, uh, something else to be putting our time into uh, from the developer side of things. And I think when they introduce private matches, 
with your people on your friends list that will that will help a lot towards like it just gives you something else to do uh it will like i said it will pretty much instantly introduce community tournaments that will give us something else to do so uh, if you're feeling burnout it, it's not entirely you know your fault for playing too much i think i think it's more um there being only one way to play and i think with any game you know again keep harking back to other card games but if we look at Hearthstone there are several different ways to play that game you know you've got uh, battlegrounds or arena or whatever it might be so just standard or wild so uh, i think they just need to introduce other ways to play the game uh, and um, yeah so and, and again you know bad looks of things that should be coming in the near future so hopefully that will uh, that will help uh, but yeah, generally, you know, just playing other types of decks, completely different. You know, you can tweak a few cards, but then you're still playing the same deck. So I'll just say try try something new. Um, something, I mean, I could talk all day about, but I'll just briefly mention is I think one of the great things about Marvel Snap is the brilliant balance of the game. Uh, you know, the basically, there are so many decks that are viable. Almost every card in this game, I think, is viable in some sort of competitive. It is really, really well balanced. Um, and, you know, maybe some of the people at the very tippy top of the competitive play might disagree with me. They might think that they've got the best Miracle deck, but I'm in the discords, I'm watching content creators, and every day somebody says, oh, this deck's broken, and it's a different deck every time, and they can't all be broken, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think, actually, there are very few decks that are broken, especially since the balance changes they made when they've nerfed, like, you know, neg- Mr. Negative and, uh, and cards like that that were outliers, um, and I just think that the balance is so good, you can really play anything and do well with it, so I think I think that would be my advice. They just play what looks fun and keep changing up what you're playing yeah just to call back to a couple things you said if every deck is broken then nothing's broken right uh which is a good thing in this case right uh uh, i I agree with you i mean i see people trying out new things all the time i look at what a lot of content creators are making and playing and it's just changing every week every day Uh, another layer to that is obviously feature locations new locations right people you know, tweaking decks, playing specific decks that play into or against those locations. And, yes. and I think that's something unique about Marvel snap. Um, you know, I'd agree with you. I think, I think changing up is kind of the obvious advice that, you know, we would probably both give to people, uh, that can help, uh, reduce the burnout. Something that I've tried to do is there are a couple of key decks I like to play. Right. And sometimes I'll just, I'll be playing and I'll just go up five ranks or six or seven, you know, uh, in, in, in a playing session where I play for an hour and that feels really good. But then all of a sudden I'll, I'll start to flatline and start mm-hmm. to feel a little discouraged. And I like to switch things up in those moments, but it's not like I like to switch things up and then not come back to the deck. I personally like to, okay, I'm going to go just try something different. Uh, think about how things work in a different way, right? M- maybe it's something that shares some of the same similarities, but it's, you know, half the, di- half the cards are different, etc. I'm going to go try something different and then I'll come back. Right. And I feel like I learn things because I see different interactions of cards with my opponent and me and different situations, different cards playing into different locations, et cetera. And I feel like I'm just learning how and where and when I should play. Right. And, um, yeah, so I like to try to bring it back. I don't like to give up on a deck. I really like, I like Mm -hmm. to just switch it up a little bit just to reduce that burnout just feel, like uh, the kind of spurn that or um, you know, increase that creativity and that excitement, and then and then come back and see what I've learned, and then apply it to the the deck I started with, right? Yeah, absolutely. I also have go to decks that if if I'm losing, you know, I'll go to and just think, oh, you know, I want to win some games, so I'm just going to play some decks and, and do better with those. Um, so you know, I definitely have decks that I, I harken back to, but uh, I I do think that 
Uh, there's, you've made a very, very good point there in terms of, again, of like being the best you can at the game. So when I say competitive, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean tournaments. It could just mean trying to be the, you know, as win, as win as many games as you can or as many cubes as you can, should I say, and just be the best that you can be at the game. So, uh, you know, one thing to, to learn how to play against decks, you need to play them yourself, you know, and that is definitely a great way to, to learn how to counter your opponent's strategies. The only way you'll fully understand what your opponent's playing is if you've played the deck yourself and you know exactly what they're working with, what they're trying to achieve and then you can best combat it. So it's great advice for getting better at the game, uh, and also, like you said, potentially for, for burnout as well. Um, but yeah, I think I'd agree with you there. Um, like I said, I, I'm not one really for switching decks too much, but uh, but again, that's just because, just of my habit, but I, I don't think that's, I would advise that for most people. Yeah, um, just out of curiosity, I mean, I'll share what I've been playing this season. Uh, I've been playing uh, kind of a Patriot combo deck. Uh, I've been playing mm-hmm. a... Uh, an arrow uh kingpin deck with sarah and i've been playing um a destroyer deck with a couple variations so those are kind of the three i've been jumping around i'm curious if you're willing to share you know what has been kind of your go-to deck this month yeah so um well what i what i you know really with when a new card releases i mean uh, when black panther released like everyone sort of um you know has uh has just kind of jumped on it because you know he is a strong card. It's clearly a strong card. So uh, they've kind of uh, started to play that. And when that happened, um, I I like to immediately just try and play the counter to that first of all for the first few days, maybe a week or so. Just play the counter to that deck. So play Shang Chi or uh, you know Air or other counters to it to stop the combo with Black Panther and Arnim Zola things like that. Um, and then that tends to do quite well. So I started start off by doing that. And then when people start to stop playing, you know, stop playing the main deck Black Panther as much and they start to counter it, then you kind of go a level above and you counter the counter. And it kind of progresses like that until a few weeks in, maybe where we are now, where things kind of peter out and then you uh, you just kind of play, go back to playing, you know, sort of what you want to play. Um, and so, you know, for the first few weeks, I was kind of doing that. I was just trying to counter those decks. And then after that, I've just been, I've been playing a few different things. I mean, I, I too have been playing a Patriot combo deck um, where, you know, just because I think they're quite fun, really. I, I quite enjoy um, Patriot. And uh, yeah, so I've been playing that. The, you just, obviously, you just throw it on Patriot, Mystique and Onslaught and use magic to extend the game. And it's actually a deck that can use Adam Warlock, which is nice. Yeah, so I've been playing the the Patriot combo deck. So so that's been uh, one thing I've been playing, but you know mainly for fun. But the deck I kind of mainly go back to as a powerful deck that will you know pretty reliably give me wins, and and I really enjoy it. It's a fun deck. It's just Sarah Miracle. Uh, I think it's probably still the strongest deck in the format. It's just a a really you know standard powerful you know fun deck to play, and uh, you know just getting such high numbers and being able to spam your cards just generally feels quite good. So that's what I've been playing. Uh, but, you know, I do experiment with things. A deck that I, I played very little of in my sort of collection building, I think because I unlocked Mystique quite late uh, in, in my collection, uh, I uh, I didn't get to play Cerebro very much because really Cerebro, you really need Mystique for that to be good. Yeah. You know, it's essential in every single deck. You'll see those two cards together, really. So uh, I've been playing Cerebro. So, you know, the three... Uh, cost cerebro it's probably the most standard version and i found that actually really enjoyable really fun you get to play lots of tech cards like armor cosmo killmonger and then presser x is a really really enjoyable card to play so um you know big blowouts so i've been playing that deck as well and maybe not the most powerful but it's certainly you know a strong deck that that can win games like pretty much any other deck so uh, that's what i've been playing really nice yeah i mystique was my third to last card i unlocked so i am there with you i uh (laughs) Yeah. I've, I've been trying to catch up on my Mystique play uh, in the last few weeks since I've unlocked Mystique. So, well, awesome. Uh, appreciate you talking about that. I, I think there, um, you know, there's probably a lot of you out there listening that are, are making the climb and 
it can be a grind, right? Uh, you don't have to do it. It's obviously not required. Uh, it's, it depends mm-hmm. on if you want to do it or not. But I think it can be fun to do. But I think switching it up, trying new things, doing things like Al says, where you kind of counter the the meta with new cards or new locations, and then you counter the counter. I mean, I think a lot of people follow that strategy, and that can be a good strategy to climb. Okay, uh, going to our last topic today. Um, this is something that's just been on my mind. Uh, maybe not yours, but um, something I've been thinking about, and, I, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. So a few patches ago, we had this change to the variant rarity system. So now we have, I, I forget the terminology they use, so I apologize, but essentially we have like rare and super rare, something uh, to that uh, effect. About 75% of all the variants in the game are in the lower tier rarity, and 25% of the variants are in the higher tier. The lower uh, rarity costs 700 gold. They used to cost 750 for any variant, and the higher cost or the higher rarity variants cost 1,200 gold. Um, obviously, this you know uh, it's everyone's choice whether they spend money or not, or they just use the gold that they get in the game. But I know that uh, you know I for several months have kind of saved a lot of gold, and there's been certain variants that I've been interested in buying. Uh, that I chose mm-hmm. not to, and that's on me. Uh, but now they're super rare variants or whatever, right? So now they cost more than they did before. And, and that can be a little discouraging. Obviously, this may not affect newer players who just started uh, the global release. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess my general thought, and I, I'm interested to hear if you agree or disagree, is 1200 just feels like a lot with how that translates to dollars. Um, you know, you're you're spending essentially what could be like a meal, like, uh, you know, going out to yeah. eat a meal somewhere to get like a, a different skin of a card. Um, so I want to hear your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you do you think the change is OK? Do you you think because it doesn't help you, you know, it's it's purely cosmetic. It doesn't really matter. What are your thoughts on on this topic? Yeah. So, I mean, funnily enough, because of the uh, the value of the pound at the moment, it costs more. <laughs> it probably costs more relatively for me to buy variants than it does for you, actually. So the uh, the um, pound sterling. So uh, it's, it's very expensive to buy skins. Um, you're right in saying that, you know, it's not at the top of my agenda just because, you know, realistically, the way I I would be happy sitting here playing with, you know, bits of paper. Do you know what I mean? Like scraps of paper and I haven't done with other card games. You know, if the, if it was, you know, black and white sort of numbers on a screen, I would be happy doing that. So I'm in the very small minority of people who would be fine with that. But I do like looking at the variants. I enjoy the art. You know, uh, it's, it's definitely a draw to the game. It's very important for the, for the average player to, to like what they're looking at. Um, and I think there's a couple of things really about this. First of all, any sort of price increase, you know, if they would, if the game started out and this is the cost of things, I think people would be less, uh, you know, have, have a less of an issue with it just psychologically. Because whenever you increase the price of anything, you know, it, it just feel bad, especially if you've been hoarding gold and then you just kind of it just devalues the, you know, your gold. It's not a very nice feeling. Um, but again, more importantly than that, I think you're absolutely right in saying that the prices just seem a bit high. Um, I think maybe it's a bit of a. Uh, a mentality thing, which is, I mean, a bit sad to say, but I mean, we saw with Nexus events, a lot of people probably won't know what they what they are now and what they were going to be. But uh, you know, you can look back and, and read through the history. I think it's interesting to know the history of Marvel Snap. But uh, Nexus events were going to be extortionately expensive, uh, and uh, they, you know, were rightly scrapped, and that's fine. They, they acted quickly, but uh, I get, maybe it's a bit of a hangover there, where for whatever reason, second dinner, that you know, the prices they just price things a bit too high. But I've got to think they they're a business. They have their uh, people who work in the background working at what the best prices are and they've obviously determined that they think this is the best 
you know, this is the best price and this is what they're going to make the most money with. Um, you know, obviously, if, if it's too, priced too high, fewer people will buy it. So I think they must have uh, deemed that this is the right one. But as we've seen from Nexus events, they can get that wildly off. And I personally, I think I'm with a lot of people here like yourself and it thinks it's just too much. 1,200 gold for a skin um, on, a, on a single card. Uh, you know, it is too much. Um, and... Like you said, it's a cosmetic. You're not forced to buy it. Uh, it's whether it's worth it to you. Uh, but there is a bit of a feels bad thing where you know you, you're you're looking at two skins. Uh, some of the you know by design, some of the coolest uh, variants. It's just in skins. Some of the some of the coolest variants are do cost twelve hundred. And um, you know I think there was a, the Adam Warlock one that I bought before the price went up, and and, and I looked and then afterwards it was one of the super rare, and I was thinking, oh, <laughs> well, it's a good job I bought it then because it is a really cool variant. But uh, but yeah, it's um, it does feel quite bad that they're, they're so expensive, and that you know again when when things were all equal before, now just certain arbitrarily decided skins cost more. So uh, very sorry, cost more. So yeah, I think it's it feels pretty bad. Um, I, I I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, I think that. Again, I can only hope that the analysis they've done is that this is the best way to keep the game going, and this is you know best for the game that that they price this way, and that you know people who are willing to spend it spend it. But I do suspect, just based on you know my opinion, that it maybe it is priced a bit too high. I don't think they'll change it now. Um, I don't think they'll really change things like this because there isn't a massive uproar like there was with Nexus events. People aren't going to you know say you know go crazy in the Discord and things over. I think it's just kind of a little bit of a leaves a bit of a bad taste in your mouth, and people are less willing to get the skin. So it's a shame. Um, I mean, for me personally, I'm at the. I've been at the end of the collection track for you know, I think maybe about a month or so now. So uh, I um, maybe a bit longer. So I, you know, effectively everything I unlock now, I'm unlocking variants, uh, getting like you know credits, and I'm you know basically I, I don't really have to spend money on the game anymore. Uh, but at the same time, my understanding is you can't get super rare uh, variants from the collection track. So. You know, even for someone, like, and again, that's obviously by design. For someone like me who's completed the game in a sense or completed the collection, uh, I would still have to spend money to get those usually. So, um, again, it's a, it is a little bit, you know, if I if I've built up all these credits that I can't spend on anything, and I still have to spend money to get these, uh, you know, to get these uh, variants, it does feel a little bit bad. Yeah, thanks for sharing your thoughts. I I think kind of just bringing this part of the conversation to a close. I I think you share a lot of good points. It, it can feel bad. Obviously, uh, you know, a, a phrase we say, you know, first world problems, right? It's, we're, yeah. we're, we're talking about, you know, oh, I don't want to spend as much money on uh, a picture in a video game, right? Uh, so that's totally, totally up to us. And I want to put that into perspective. So, uh, you know, this definitely isn't a, a real world issue that's really negatively affecting anybody too bad. Um, but I do think there's that psychology to it that you stated. It can feel bad when the price increases when it was cheaper before. Uh, who knows? There could be sales on gold in, in the future, right? Sales on variants. They can do lots of things, right, that can incentivize people to buy more. And then the price goes back to the normal price. And then people, you know, end up buying more still, etc. cetera. Uh, there's a lot that can happen there. And, you know, even though you maybe can't get all the rarest ones in the collection tracker, you they are, I would say, fairly generous with unlocking them between the season pass and uh, the caches on the collection tracker, you can unlock a few variants a week if you play enough, right? Yeah, I completely uh, agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm definitely not complaining about that. I, I appreciate that. It's one of my favorite things to unlock, right? Uh, is to get a new variant and kind of get it for free, uh, if you will, just by playing the game. So appreciate that. Well, awesome. Uh, Al, really appreciate you being on. You know, uh, every month we have one or two of these ver uh, kind of variety episodes when we're we're not at the end of, or the beginning of a season, right? 
and we're not right on a patch or anything. So appreciate you being here for this discussion, sharing a lot of great insights on a lot of these topics. Before we go, I just want to give you a chance. Uh, you know, you're starting up, like you say, you had a kind of a, a lull or a break from creating some content for Marvel Snap, but you're going to be starting that back up or you have started that back up. Let the listeners know where they can find that content and how they can best support you. Yeah, so uh, I'm at Twitter. I'm at, at X, you can call me Al. Um, and it's you can call me Al. Not uh, you can call me Al or you can call me AI or whatever else it might look like. Uh, but yeah, I um, you can catch me there just for you know, the occasional tweet and my thoughts. I don't use it that much really. But uh, mainly it would be Twitch and YouTube. But uh, again, primarily YouTube. Um, I Again, it's just X, you can call me Al. Uh, I... Like I said, I'm to make when I was making content, it was one one video every other day, so it was quite a big turnaround. And I do try and make my content um, a bit different to to maybe some of the other content out there. Not that that isn't you know great content, but it's just a, you know maybe a bit bit more tailored to what I'm good at. And it's more sort of discussions and you know um, this sort of style content really, rather than like gameplay or anything like that. It's more just sort of my thoughts on news stories in the game or uh, what the best decks are or things like that. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, you can catch me on YouTube. And then I am hoping to stream on Twitch again some point um hopefully uh, you know in the near future but again my my focus really is uh, is youtube but it's all x you can call me out awesome al thank you again so much for being here it's been a pleasure thanks for having me yeah listeners thank you for tuning in as always uh, if you haven't followed or subscribed to the podcast make sure to do that so you don't miss any future episodes and as always we will catch you in the next episode Can't Stop Snapping is a podcast written, recorded, produced, and hosted by Michael Thurman. Thanks for listening.